0: Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, may I have your attention please? Are you ready to engage in a mind-blowing experience and hear talks about life, technology, entertainment and business? The next episode of hip to talks starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. Hi everyone, Zoltan here, back once again on Hippta Talks. Uh, Today I have with me uh, Edwin Mata, uh, CEO and Co-Founder of Brickhand. And today we are once again talking about uh, blockchain, uh, Bitcoin and uh, DeFi. So, hi Edwin, it's nice to see you. I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself, say a few words about yourself and the company.
1: Hi, hello, so Thank you for having me here. Um, my name is Mata. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Breakhand. Uh, my background is I'm a lawyer. And well, I mean, you always stay a lawyer, right? So I so not anymore, but that's not true. And now basically we, work, we run a tokenization platform that we're doing to a decentralized application. Uh, we're we'll trying to merge a little bit some of the legal aspects as we're tokenizing equity and pushing them to change. So they can probably in the future, in the future, hopefully. Uh, start establishing connections with the DeFi protocols for lending, collateralization, and whatnot, because tokenizing assets has an embedded value already in the token itself, so it could be interesting in the future for connecting different ecosystems.
0: All right, so that was short and precise. Thank you so much. All right, so I think we can already dive into the questions as we have plenty of them. And uh, so blockchain, DLT, Bitcoin, DeFi, uh, just to educate our listeners, what exactly are they and how do they fit together?
1: I mean, to understand everything, I mean, it's just the openness of our ledger, right? So I mean, well, back in the day, accounting really had books and they had all these entry fields and it was like just one book or each, then we went into digital. It was an Excel sheet, it's still accounting. So, but it's still very private, right? So now we have this thing that it's distributed. What does it mean? That it's open to everybody to analyze any kind of transaction that occurs. And that just has allowed us to create different ecosystems and any kind of blockchain. here, Because all information and all data becomes available to everybody who's requesting information to the blockchain that just becomes very interested and that's why there's creating really new business models and new types of information. It's just because of this openness. We have never had open databases. Every company has its own private database. Every government has its own private database. And now we have this one that is just open for anybody to see and check it out. And that's, for me, the most interesting thing about it. It's the openness of the system.
0: All right, so that, that would be my, my side question for you about how did you get into this uh, industry? Because as a lawyer, you must have been started out to learn about blockchain because you ser- certainly started to learn about civil, civil law and uh, common law first and then later got into blockchain. So how was it?
1: Yeah, so I used to work in a legal tech company a couple years ago called Signatory, which was an electronic signature and digital identity platform. So um, they built up an R&D department and I became part of it. And then I was starting to manage the blockchain section with actually one of my co-founders. We both met at the company. And we were trying to analyze if contracts can be executed as a smart contract would be. There's a lot of differences because obviously one is code, the other one has a lot of subjective matters. But we started analyzing that some clauses could be automized. And that's because since the openness of the layer, is, there's a transaction or a condition of that. If payment happens from A and B, it executes clause B. So I thought that was very interesting for me because there's a lot of work that was like, okay, it's redundant. We don't have to do it. Like code can do it. And that was my first entry into the world. One thing just like I was there and I was like, oh, I like this technology a lot. So I started studying more. And now I'm here as a geek
0: okay so it's not just about being uh interested in it you have to love it also so yeah given given that that you have a vast experience uh that you have accumulated of course uh are you persuaded by the decentralization agenda of today's uh proponents of Web 3 and crypto
1: yeah I, I mean i don't want to be drastic but i think uh Society goes always in circles. We yeah. go from decentralized to decentralized, and we go again to centralized to decentralized. I mean, we went from uh, the I don't know ethos or whatever Greek uh, democracy being built. Then we have monarchies, and then we have like parliaments, and then we have lens hybrid. So I mean, technology is probably the same, right? So uh, I do see a lot of centralization factors happening in a decentralized space. Because of accumulation, we uh, we we've seen it even with Ethereum, with the proof of stake. They're already saying like there's a couple of dots that are gonna be very important for decision and governance. So again, it's just uh, it's part of the process. But is it better? No, I mean it's just it's just what happens.
0: <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah, you told me that how you got into blockchain, but just want to ask: and are there any types of limitations? that maybe shape your thinking about blockchain te- technology?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't want to go into the philosophy, but I think human beings are a limitation because we're the ones coding and we're the ones establishing how the blockchain is So it's always a matter of personal interest. There's a lot of, actually, agnosticism in the sense that they look for the better being, but in the end, a lot of us, not saying me per se, but saying the ecosystem itself, there's money to be made, right? So I build a company. Yeah, I do want to talk and safety. I want to be more efficient. I want to optimize processes for companies. But I also want to eat and I also want to travel. So it's kind of like the factor is there. All right, got it.
0: So yeah, I'm very curious about what led you to create a decentralized platform that benefits both investors and businesses as well.
1: I mean it was a matter of opportunity. We I've been always looking into the real estate for flipping. I mean, I never had the cash flow. And then when I had opportunity arise, I thought about like asking the bank for a loan, but I couldn't do it because I was a freelancer. So here in Spain is very limited how you yeah. get money from banks. Yeah. They were like, no, but well, you're a freelancer, but I was like, but I do have income, I'm saying it high or low, just like it's a steady one. Just <laughs> doing performance work here and there. And they were like, No, but you're a high risk factor because tomorrow you might not have a job. I was like, yeah, but an employee can pick up as well. So it's like, it doesn't make any sense. So I was looking into crowdfunding platforms and I was checking out all the kind of methodologies for raising funds. And obviously I came from a startup helping and then as a lawyer, the racing, the BCI. So it kind of like blend everything into like a big milkshake and then hopefully it tastes like strawberry. So we don't know what's going to happen, but we have hopefully the right ingredients to make something massive. That's why I took it. Really. All right, sure. so that's that's that's
0: a really interesting answer. So could you tell our audience? And I'm also curious about how does the platform actually work?
1: Uh uh yes, of course. I mean, um, not only we went through studying the market for crowdfunding, obviously, you have to benchmark uh competitors or possible competitors in the future. Uh and then we learned from all of that. We created an MVP. We don't even use that technology anymore because everything we thought, how it would work, the market, we were not necessarily wrong, but we would have been tested to the, to the ground end. And then we did decide to do an ICO and raise our own funds. And we didn't do it with BC the first one, We did it with community. I consent. So. We started understanding what are the pains for raising funds, what are the pains for the investors, how to merge everything. So that skin in the game allows to create what we have now for a platform, where it's like all the pains that we have, because we were looking for actively for hey, I want to raise ICO. I need uh I need to do this. What happens with the KYC? What happens with the funds being raised? Uh am I gonna provide them with both these schemes? Am I gonna transform myself into a DAO? How are they gonna vote? Where are they gonna find me? So all of those pains we just started analyzing and we designed our own platform, which is really like a problem solver in that sense because everything that we experience afterwards is still know how. For example, now we have problems in auditing our finance statements because all the transactions, yes, there are meters can when you had a cross reference with the KYC or distributing later whatever interest or airdrops or anything. So all of that still know how that we're embedded into the platform that we have
0: all right so it's basically you guys have put in all the experience that you gained uh in terms of uh, know-how and uh help people with the one-stop shop basically with uh
1: yes and i mean functionality wise it's simple. it's very simple it's a dashboard it's a token wizard it's kind of like just these functionalities many of the things happen as if you were in the type form so it's kind of like we really used everything that we needed and then just created this, like, uh, this application. And we're super excited. We're getting really good feedback because we made it from the beginning very simple because we understand people don't like to read anymore. They're just like, my click, want to do everything. And it's like, it's not so simple, but we're allowing people to do everything click, click. Don't worry about everything that is happening and then making it attractive. So we pushed a lot in the UX sector actually two of our uh, three front ends in the back uh they have ux experience or i specialize in US. so since the beginning we were always pushing for that for that experience right
0: yes. that's that's fair enough and yeah uh I'm, I'm since i have you here and you have all this knowledge i just want to maybe ask you and, and help our audience understand how does uh like what does decentralization look like across uh, the broader venture ecosystem could you repeat the end part please yeah so what does decentralization look like across the a broader venture ecosystem
1: This is this is a very good question in the sense that when I mean I still have my centralized friends so to speak or yeah <laughs> and they really don't understand that this is an opportunity, right? They just think like this is like crazy. It's like, guys, it's not so crazy. You go every four years and you vote. I mean, and then it's like, oh, you go to the city hall and then nobody goes to the city hall anymore. but there's usually city halls do a lot of surveys. nobody takes them. I like that we're not inventing democracy. That's always been there, but they just don't use it anymore because you stop believing in the system because it's not transparent. So what we're trying to be here is a more transparent democracy. We're not inventing anything. We're just optimizing and making something that we already use. And then just putting that layer of technology, which allows us to really believe that transparency, democracy, voting, representation and governance, all of these things can be clean. So for me, it's very funny that one of us, for example, companies say like, oh, but once I have an open source code or I have a DAB and everybody can use it, I lose the monetization factor. And it's like, do you really do that? I mean, don't you think that, for example, Uniswap has 11 employees and is crushing their metrics on a <laughs> day-to-day or Ethereum, how many billions? our own transaction and fees and they're crushing your everyday. Just because you think on one database, you're not thinking about how you can connect to this broader ecosystem and there's monetization factor on every instance. So it's like, the more you become open, the more opportunities arise. It's not just thinking like, no, just give me your data and then I'm going to send you a pack of 10 euros every month and then you're going to stay as a SaaS and hopefully you forget that you pay the SaaS and that's how I monetize more because I'm only going to offer you the, the product. So it's kind of like it's a limited time. That's my opinion.
0: All right. So you mentioned that you still have, everybody still has their centralized friends. So maybe if you would like to help one of your friends and uh, say the uh, advantages of becoming more decentralized, what would you tell them? So what are the main advantages of becoming decentralized? Not the mainstream ones that are promoted by the uh, the decentralized uh uh businesses more. Uh in your opinion, what are the advantages that are becoming more and more important to becoming decentralized?
1: I mean one of I it's been it's it's been a couple of months since a couple of members here in Brick and only get paid in crypto, right? Okay. And it's like, well you rather have done in Europe. i will tell you why. Because I do sometimes have to send money across it to repair the ocean because my family is from Mexico or whatever. So and if I have to do that with a bank, yep. it's not only fees, it's time. And it's like, hey, I need, you know, kind of like you need that hasteness. And it's like in five minutes, I can prepare the same thing, and you can have it. So I really think that it's, it's a new form of um, of transference. Right. But now we're talking about cryptocurrency as a payment. But even as a data, I mean everything that is trackable is just because and it's out there. So it's a very efficient factor of just everything, and then obviously some will say like, oh yeah, but some blockchains are inefficient because if you use an Ethereum transaction, it can take five minutes. Are we really gonna go mad for five minutes when we use so like hours or days? It's like, are we? But that's that's a good thought. No, maybe the going to be microseconds. People will say like, we need nanoseconds because we just like to ask more, but. I think uh, one of the biggest factors of this decentralized world is just how everything is so fast because everything is connected. I mean, everybody has the same information. I transfer you because I'm 20 twenty euros, it will go from bank to bank and then they do all this in the back. I can sell you the DEP scan transaction and you're good to go, you're like, okay, it's clean and yeah, it's my wallet, perfect, good to go.
0: All right yeah so that's fair enough and that's some advantages that your friends should be listening to and uh yeah with like we mentioned your platform and uh with the fund uh, with funding investors funding uh so of course the investors have always uh have a risk when investing in uh in a company so what uh, would be your solution uh to ensure that investors have a minimal risk when funding i guess it's all about your company
1: <laughs> it is so. For example, from a corporate perspective, somebody wants to issue a token. We have a KYC, eternally. It's no more different from when you open a bank account. I mean, you really have to know who's behind it. You know, the anti-money laundering, all this. But mostly, it's a trust factor in the sense that it's easy to ask money, and then it's like I want a million. It's like why do you want a million? Like. Why, you know how long it took me to raise like 10% of that amount, but you want to come here and say, like, I want 100 million because I want to create a paradise isolate. It's like, that's just ridiculous. So there's got to be a due diligence in the back always. And we getting better understand understanding utilities. we go through these other platforms, you open a Binance corporate account, it's ridiculous the amount of information they request. And it's super hard. But that's because Binance also says, I don't want companies to be transacting in the way that later is going to come back to me. So we still learn from that in the market on what to ask. And then from an investor point of view, KYC. We have this, uh, we embedded this platform for Samsung. And they're the biggest provider of KYC. Because we need to really not put a pain in the company at who invests. So because of anti and directives we don't want to put them in that position. So we do... Um, facial recognition and proof of domicile. And we also track uh, wallets because since everything is tractable and everything is open, we can establish risk factor of the wallet that is being abused for that purchase or whatever. So in a sense, it's uh, what we're trying to do is, uh, It's a trust ecosystem. And lastly, going back to the culprit, okay, you can pass my KYC But the people that have to raise funds are the ones that have to provide the most trust to the investor. So that's one factor that I've seen in the ICO, especially 2018, where there were no faces or there was no white paper, and people would invest and people learn. 2019, 2020, we got more complex, and now people were dropping white papers and people were getting ducks. And then NFT space came, and we were investing on some call called Gorilla Key 27, and it was like I don't even know who's that guy. Like why would I invest it? But they but they were flipping them. So hopefully in the next two years, we'll see more toxin happening, which is going to be good to the space because I want to invest in experience. Like where would I invest? In Elon Musk or Gorilla if 27? <laughs> the answer is clear.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, And since we talked about data and lots and lots of data, uh, we, we have to talk about uh, cybersecurity and hacks, uh, which are inevitable. Uh, and the largest, even the largest protocols are not immune to them. So, how should protocols hedge against such events in the long run?
1: Oh, this is a, one of the most complicated questions because it's an overlap, it's an ongoing fight, right? So you got like the white hat versus the black hat, and everybody's just too good on both sides. It's like a continuous evolving evolving in such manner. And how do you find that? Well, you have to get audited. Not only mm-hmm. smart contract, but also implement good politics, procedures internally. If something happens, you have the procedure to shut everything down or not. But this is like an ongoing exercise all companies have to go. It goes, just because you got audited once. So I mean, like, I'm clean. No, actually, you're not clean. Uh, I've seen a couple of audit certificates where they have like a red sign and they, they, they stop doing. And it's like, yeah, you got the logo, but the big problem that you had, it's still there, so it's kind of, like, I I want to say, like, we should all be responsible, and get some good practices, get some people on board, a good developer, a good desk security one, we can really crash it, this is important, we're, we're at that level, but then the that we have to have. All
0: right. And so yeah that, that that's what's a hard question and that's why I saved it for last just before I ask you about
1: because
0: <laughs> uh, that's before I ask you about the uh, outcome of uh, 2022 and 2023 in terms of decentralization what what is in your opinion the the next step and, and what are going to be the major developments that are coming
1: So uh- I mean, I come from the tokenization world and I see like one of the biggest developments, which is going to happen. So this is my perspective, right? They're market hit. And obviously institutional, uh, they use it as an opportunity to decide how crypto, we told you, like we own you and we protect you. And I mean, some really went deep into it, right? But actually it was super good that it happened. I think uh, rinse and repeat, right? So when you trade, you always rinse and repeat. You know, stay holding. And it was ridiculous the amount of money being flooded in in projects that really didn't have anything like we spoke. So it's important that it's gonna get clean. And in NEM we were just shooting, we had Shiva Inu, baby Shiva Inu too, we be flocking Shiva. And it was just kidding, like guys, come on, this is just ridiculous. Um, so it's good that the green and repeat happened. And then the government went to attack it, which is fine, because I do believe it's fine in the sense that. One of the biggest innovations that are going to happen for me is how the economy is going to be and change. I'm not saying it's possible. I just think it's going to be the biggest development. And it's CBDCs. So we have central banks that are telling you that they're going to tokenize money, leave underlying technology blockchain, and everybody's going to transact in a digitized euro, in a digitized USD, in a digitized gen. And that's just, people are waiting for mass adoption. That's the mass adoption, if any, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like, we've really got to go into a world where we're going to be transacting fully on blockchain. Yeah. So is that positive or negative? I'm not saying I have a lot of resilience of the central big companies, but at least the so-called mass adoption I think yeah. is going to be good. So the current state, bear market is approaching, the banks didn't stop. Actually, they're pushing even more for this to occur, because they're like, we kill the private sector in that sense. And then we position ourselves as the savior, saying, oh, that happens because Luna stable coin, the USDT, was not back and they don't have monetary policies. But hey, I am the bank. I've been in the game for so long. Here is my coin. And it's the only one that is going to work. And you know what? 99% of people will fall for the trap. But 99% of the people will start on blockchain. So we will stop talking about blockchain being the off-sector because now the government is using it. So for me, that's a point of inflection that is going to happen in the next five years, which is going to be like, okay, no more blockchain conversation. Let's just get to the technology and start with it.
0: It's really exciting.
1: <laughs> over. So,
0: All right, so Edwin, thank you so much for joining us today. And and to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to our channels and we will be back next week with another guest. And uh, Edwin, if you like, want to say goodbye to our listeners, you are more than welcome.
1: No, thank you very much for having me. It's been a great discussion. Uh, Well, let me follow us in Brickend. We're tokenizing equity and we have some very good news coming up and uh, wish you all a good survival of the bear market <laughs> goodbye guys thank you, thank you. <laughs> bye
0: thank you for joining be sure to check back next week for the next hip to talks and subscribe on Amazon Music Overcast Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast iHeartRadio, SoundCloud MixCloud and Pandora